Thank you, Adult Ensemble. All about the cross. The cross was something that seemed like it couldn't accomplish its purpose. And yet when God was finished with it, they saw his power and majesty in the resurrection. That's sort of what this parable is about. You know I love parables. Matthew 13, 31 and 32. Matthew 13, verses 31 and 32 is a parable of the mustard seed. Two short verses about a parable. Jesus was a master storyteller. And he took parables, which no one was really using at that time, and perfected them to convey a message and often catch people unaware or off guard until they caught themselves in the story itself in a position they wouldn't have ordinarily been in. Matthew 13, 31 says, Another parable he put before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. You can't really describe the kingdom of heaven in terms we can understand, but Jesus was giving analogies. What is it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, smallest. But when it is grown, it's the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree so that birds there come and make nests in its branches. Pray with me. Father, as we come tonight to consider what the kingdom of heaven might be like, help us to see from one more direction, one more facet a description that Jesus gave us. And help us understand a little bit better of how you're working in our world today when we can't see it, when it doesn't seem that anything good is happening. Help us to realize that from small beginnings, great endings can still occur when you're involved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The parable of the mustard seed is about small beginnings that end in great endings. It is a message, I think primarily, of hope. Hope that we need to have. If you follow any sports team any time of year, you need hope, don't you? When college football rolls around, people begin bragging, you know what, I think this could be the year we go all the way. With, with basketball, Tiff County said... You know, we could go all the way. Oh, wait, they did, didn't they? Mercer Bears might be saying tonight, you know, we could go all the way. And it could still happen. Who knows? The Braves went from worst to first in 91. Do you remember that? This could be the year. It could happen. It could happen. In the Bible, everybody was always expecting God to do something great, something big. If not this year, then maybe next year. The anticipation and expectation was underlying everything that happened. No one knows what God will act. We just know that he's going to. His kingdom has already dawned in Jesus Christ, he said. And one day Jesus is going to come again and bring his kingdom in fulfilling power and majesty. No one knows the hour, not the angels in heaven, nor the Son, only the Father. 
And so we wait and hope and anticipate. And for the Christian, hope is a way of life. And Jesus tells us a parable to encourage us while we're waiting and while we're hoping. And when nothing seems to be happening, Jesus is saying, just hang on, take, take courage, take heart. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's growing. You just might not be able to see it at first, but, but trust me, it's growing. It's going to happen. And so we wait and hope. So what's the mustard bush like? How many of you farmers grow mustard greens? Anybody? Y'all are no help. Mustard greens. Mustard greens. Mustard bush. Mustard greens. Okay. Somebody does. Aubrey does. From what I read and understand, the mustard bush is grown in fields for greens, supplying a sharp tang for the leaves that were cooked like greens. And its seed was small, very small seed. 750 seeds are needed to, to make one gram, one gram. So in Jesus' day, the mustard seed was often used as an image, as an example, when something small was needed. And Jesus uses the grain of a mustard seed in Matthew 17 when he says, If you have just a little bit of faith, great things can happen. Truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of what? A mustard seed. You can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. So oftentimes Jesus was using a mustard seed as, as an example of something extremely small. And, and incidentally, the Greek word for smallest in verse 32 here is my, microtonos. And we get the word what from it? Micro. We get the word micro from it. That's how small it is. Microteros. Tiny, little, itty bitty. And so Jesus is building a construct of something before and after size comparisons. Before, really, really, really small. After, really big. He wants to start with something that everybody will know and recognize as being teeny tiny, a mustard seed. One of the smallest things they can think of. Today, what would farmers use? Maybe a, a tobacco seed? Have you ever seen one of those? Boy, they're small. Tiny. A what? Other kinds of seeds? A, a tobacco seed? Uh, maybe somebody would say the, the head of a pin. Something the size of a head of a pin. Notice Jesus used a comparison that everybody would be familiar with, his agrarian uh, culture, this, these farmers. Either something fishing or farming would provide Jesus the, the comparison that he would be looking for. So something so small, how can that really contain the workings of God? How can that happen? Can it happen? And, and of course the answer is absolutely. Don't restrict God to our issues about bigness or size and numbers. Today we have been um, cultured into thinking that unless something is big, unless something is great, then it's not successful. But that's not so with God. Small beginnings are all God needs to do His work, to begin His work. And when He starts something, how no, who knows how it might end? Who knows how great, how big, how powerful it might become. So don't ever be discouraged with small beginnings. If you're starting a church, you start small, that's fine. If you're sharing with somebody, it might be just one person, that's fine. If you 
have faith of a mustard seed, that's fine. As long as there's a start, as long as a seed is planted, who knows how great it might become. Why are small beginnings all that's needed? Because this parable tells us that unremarkable beginnings can and will have unbelievable results. Look at the 12 disciples that he's speaking to. A motley crew, 12 disciples, we've been looking at them on Sunday mornings. One of them betrays Jesus and it's down to 11. How many Christians are there in the world today? 1.7 billion, all starting with 11 disciples. 11 to 1.7 billion. That's a pretty good bump, isn't it? Small beginnings, great endings. And this parable talks about the size of the fruit that results. In other words, don't underestimate the power of the gospel. It may start small, but it will have great endings. And so what does this parable do? It gives us hope, even if we start with something as small as a mustard seed. Who knows what can come from it? You tell one person about Jesus, who knows what can come from that? You give one dollar to North American Missions offering, who knows what God might do with that? There's no telling the great results that might come from it. A young man was at a missionary meeting in England. He stood up and he took responsibility for a growing Christian group in India. <clears throat> and the remarkable thing about it was that he never left his home country of England. And so he went on to explain his claim. He said when he was five years old, he wanted to give his penny to missionaries. The pastor was a friend, and he had some friends who were missionaries in India, and so the pastor sold the boy a copy of the New Testament for a penny and told him how to mail that package to his missionary friends in India. So the boy wrote his name on the flyleaf of the Bible and mailed it one New Testament to those missionaries in India. The missionary gave it to a native who hiked miles to get a Bible. And nothing more was heard about it for 20 years. 20 years later, another missionary visiting a remote village finds a welcomed response to the gospel that he's preaching. And he begins asking questions and finds out that most of the villagers in that village were already Christians, were already believers. Yet no preacher had ever been there, had ever visited there. And then somebody produced a worn-out New Testament which had been read and passed around among all the villagers. And on the flyleaf was that boy's name. Bought with one penny in England and mailed to some missionaries in India who gave it to a man who hiked from his village and took it back and passed it around all the other villagers until they all read the gospel and were saved. Only a seed a seemingly inconsequential act of a little boy who had a penny and the outcome that exceeded all expectations. When Jesus told this parable, the audience got the punchline immediately because like all good punchlines, it comes at the end, the last line. And Jesus sums it up by saying, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. That's how big this mustard bush is going to be. But there's a, there's a twist to it that we might not be familiar with because Jesus' audience that day would have expected birds of the air coming and making nests not in a 
little mustard bush, but in a giant cedar of Lebanon. The cedar of Lebanon was the symbol of the, the world's powers. The cedar of Lebanon was what throughout the Old Testament represented strength and power. And when you heard about the giant cedars in whose branches the birds of the air would come and make their nests, that's what the people were expecting. You thought about power. Rome was a giant cedar. One of the great kingdoms of all time in comparison to the kingdom of God as it was then, just a mustard seed, tiny, insignificant, but growing. Everybody pays attention to giant cedars towering over everything else, like those giant redwoods out in California. That's what I think about when I think about the cedars of Lebanon. But no one pays attention to a bush, especially a, the seed of a bush, when it's the smallest seed there is. And so Jesus is setting up the punchline, the kicker. Birds will come and nests, make nests in those branches. The birds represent all the nations of the world that will come one day, the kingdoms of the world, but will become the kingdom of our Lord, and the birds will make their nests in those branches which represent the kingdom of God. So my question is, what kind of birds make nests in a mustard bush? They must be desperate, because most birds would make nests not in a squatty little bush, but in a great towering tree of safety. I mean, if you really wanted to impress your listeners about small beginnings and great endings, why not start with a seed of a cedar tree and end up with a giant cedar? Israel was accustomed in the Old Testament to being compared to the majestic cedars of Lebanon. So if you're going to compare the greatness of the kingdom of God to something, why not compare it to something your listeners would be proud of and identify with? that giant stately cedar instead of a little herb bush. But I think Jesus is using a different kind of imagery on purpose to try to teach his listeners, to try to teach us something important about the kingdom of God. The mustard bush only grows about eight feet tall. It kind of reminds me, I grew up with fig bushes, and they had big leaves and kind of short and squatty and not very impressive to look at. The mustard bush is an annual, so it grows, to grow eight feet, it has to grow quickly. And its branches are hollow and weak. And if a bird does happen to build a nest in one of those branches, I mean, that's a modest refuge. That would be like the Motel 6 equivalent for a bird's nest. Israel is expecting the tall, great, proud tree. But Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is going to slip in in a disarming form, kind of like a, a lowly herb bush, not a giant tree that everybody expect, is expecting. The, the, the kingdom of God is not a towering, overpowering, stately empire. It's a venture of faith transforming Israel's hope from greatness to humility. Its coming will be a disappointment to everybody who deems themselves righteous and deserving of the best but it will be a welcome relief and a joy to those in humility know the depth of their sin. Those who get on board won't do so because they want to be associated with a winner. 
They do so because they are desperate and they have no other recourse than to make their nests in a mustard bush. And so, honestly, the kingdom of God was looking a lot like a mustard bush in the first century. And that's why John the Baptist sent word to Jesus to ask him if he were the Messiah or if they should be expecting another because he was not the Messiah they were looking for. Things were not turning out at all the way they expected. Things weren't happening, evolving the way that they thought the Messiah should bring in the kingdom of God. It's not at all what they thought it would look like. They were expecting something like a giant cedar that would overpower the enemies. Not a little mustard bush that in humility would draw people to it who were desperate and had no other choice. And so Jesus may be preparing them. Entering the kingdom is going to require faith because it doesn't look like any kingdom you've ever seen before or expected this one to be. Success will come at the end, but until that time, don't be expecting a great deal of support, a great number of accolades, a great semblance of power. It's going to start small. But have hope, because from small beginnings come great endings. It's radical that Jesus doesn't talk about a cedar of Lebanon, but an unimpressive, lackluster, little bush, kind of a weed really, but just wait and see because it's not over yet. I love the story of an evangelist I heard tell years ago. I've seen it in print and maybe you've heard it too. It's one of my favorite illustrations, but it says well what I want to convey here this evening. A missionary had served faithfully overseas for many years and was coming home to retire. He was alone. His wife had died on the mission field. He was tired. He'd poured his whole life's work into the mission. And as the ship sailed into the port, he was surprised to see a large crowd had gathered on the dock and there was a band playing and there were banners strung from pole to pole, and he was overwhelmed. He didn't think anybody would really notice his arrival, much less welcome him with such fanfare. His heart lifted until the ship moved a little bit closer, and he was able to read the banners and recognize that they weren't for him at all. They were for a movie star who had been in Europe filming for a few weeks in Europe and, and was returning home to the States. His heart sank his countenance dropped, and his voice whispered, Why, Lord? Why? I've served you faithfully all these years. Why no homecoming for me? And after a pause, he heard, as it were, the answer, the Lord's voice saying, But you're not home yet. Folks, you and I aren't home yet. <coughs> We're still dwelling in this world, and sometimes I feel like we're pruning a mustard bush. But that's okay, because we've got to make room for the birds of the air who need a place to build a nest and have some hope. And the kingdom of God is a little bit like a mustard bush. 
It starts small. And it grows big, but it's not, it's not impressively large enough to attract people to it. But it's secretly growing. And its power comes in those who recognize it by faith for what it is, not by sight. So until we're home, we live by faith and not by sight, trusting in a mustard seed to grow and make room for all the birds of the year who need a place to rest and wait and hope. Let's bow together. God, there's so much we still don't understand. It would have been so easy for you to come and for Jesus to do miracles and to draw people to himself through his charismatic personality. And then if he had to die for our sins, not, not on a cross, but something simple and painless, without shame. And then everybody would flock to your kingdom because it would be the popular thing to do. Because they would want those kinds of miracles in their lives too. And it wouldn't require faith. And it wouldn't require any hope. Because you would be doing things the way we want you to. The way we think you ought to. But in your wisdom you said no. I'm going to come as a baby in a manger. And I'm going to live among you. And I'm going to die on a cross. And it's not going to be at all what you expect. But those who have eyes of faith will see and believe and come unto me. It looks a whole lot like, more like a mustard bush than it does a a giant stately tree. And yet that's the kind of faith you want us to have. Small beginnings can still have great endings when you're involved. So help us to trust you and to wait in the meantime for you to work among us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.